0: Heavenly Father, we come before you and we are so thankful for the love of Jesus, thankful for the love that gave his life for us. And this morning as we move forward into the word, we ask Jesus that you will open up our minds, open up our hearts, open up our ears, open up our eyes to hear, see, and learn what you have for us today. We put our focus on you 100%. We put away the distractions. We put away anything that would try to come between us and your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is great to be here this morning with adults. I spend so much time with kids that sometimes it's just good to be with big people. It's great. Thank you so much for the opportunity, for coming and listening. Uh, But before we get started to kind of start things out, I want to just read a passage of Scripture to share a little bit with you about who I am and what my heart is, uh, not just for KidZone, but for Church on the Rock in general. So if you'll open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is um, a speech of Moses as he was they were preparing to take the promised land, and he's going back over the, the laws that God had given them. And so this is what he said to the people. He says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey, Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. God has called each and every one of us to learn his word, to love Him with everything that we have and to pass on that love and that knowledge to our sons and our daughters and those beyond, from our generation to the next generation. And that is why I am here. That is why I do what I do. My passion is to help you partner with you as parents, as grandparents, as just family of the family of God Help and partner with you to impart the knowledge of God to the younger generations. And so this morning, as we move forward, I want to challenge you all, let's partner together. Let's do it together. We can't. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Let's all work together to really invest in the next generation. But for a minute, if you would, just bear with me. I want to take a step back and just... Say something real quick. Can I do that for a second? Can you take a few minutes out? So who in here, by show of hands, has had just the best year? 2019 has been a great year for you. It's been good. I don't know if something's, you know, maybe you got engaged, getting married, had a baby, bought a new house. It's just been a good year. How many? Good year? Yeah. Don't be shy. It's all right. Everyone else is doing it. You can do it too. No, it's, it's been a good year. Okay, now... For all of you other people out there, how many of you just had a really bum year? Like, you are ready for 2019 to be over. You are ready for 2020. All right, we, we, we got a few. See, for me, it's kind of a little bit of both. Because on the one hand, we have had so many wonderful things happen here at Church on the Rock. We've seen, we've bought a new building. I've got to design a brand new children's department with more room than I know what to do with, which is awesome. We've had so much growth in our ministry. And I don't just mean numbers wise, I mean, we are seeing kids grow in their knowledge of God, in their spiritual lives. We're seeing in, uh, our, our ministry being impactful in these kids' lives, and it's wonderful. Um, our sidewalk Sunday school that we do every week, we started a new one about a year ago. That new one is now our biggest, consistently by far, I would say. And we are just we're seeing so much growth and it's been such a good year. But on the other hand, this is absolutely 100 percent a year I cannot wait to be over with and just be done with. There's been a lot of things in my life, my family's life, that I'm just ready to forget. My mother has been struggling with a blood disease for a little while now, and it hasn't really gotten any better. And at times, it's taken this wonderfully active, happy woman and practically crippled her at times. My stepmother was diagnosed with cancer a few months ago. My grandmother, my grandparents have been struggling with health issues nonstop. It's just been one thing after another. Even in my wife's family, we've had family members pass away. We've had others that are just, I mean, barely holding on. This has been a hard year. It's been a very hard year, one that I am ready to be done with. And kind of on top of all of those things... My wife and I, we've been married for seven years. And for most of those seven years, we have been asking the Lord for a child, praying every day, seeking the Lord, waiting for Him to give us a child. Because obviously, I love children. I wouldn't do what I do if I didn't. And prior to 2019, the Lord had not answered our prayers. But then finally, He did. Uh, but not quite in the way we were hoping uh, this year we 've had two miscarriages after seven years of not being able to have a child we have we 've lost two babies, and so we 've got two beautiful little children waiting up in heaven for us that we 'll get to meet someday but it's been it 's been a year, and I just want to encourage the the second group the group that raised their hands with me, if you've been having a year that you just want to forget, I want to encourage you this morning. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 6, he teaches us all about the armor of God. And he gives us ways to defend ourselves and protect ourselves against the attacks of the enemy. And he lists all the things, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, all, these, all of these tools that God has given us to defend ourselves. But he says something right at the end that I feel is a word from the Lord for those of us, and I'm including myself in this, something that we need to hear. He says in verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after, here it is, and after you have done everything to stand, stand. See, it would be so easy for me a pastor, someone who has given my life to serve God and his children, it would be so easy for me to look at what I've gone through, what I've seen my wife go through and be angry at God, feel like God doesn't love me, feel almost as if God is being a little cruel. And I won't lie, I have felt those things more recently than I'd like to admit. But it would be so easy for me to give up, to quit, to stop on everything that I've believed and turn my back on the Lord. But see, here's the thing. If you don't have faith in the tough times, you never really had faith at all. It is so easy to trust God and to love God and be happy with God when everything's going well, when you've got a lot of money in the bank, you've got a nice car in the driveway, when you've got family and friends and everything's going great, when you've got your health. It's easy to have faith then because you don't need it. But it's when the, the storms come, when you come off of the mountaintop and into the valley, it's those times that we have to stand. It's those times when our faith needs to be bigger and stronger than ever. And so if you're like me, and you are just ready for this year to be over with, don't quit. Don't give up. Having done all to stand, having given your life to the Lord, having uh, had faith in who he is and believing that he is who he says he is, and that word is true, don't give up. Don't stop now, don't let the enemy win. Having done all to stand, just stand. Amen. Amen. Well, let's sorry, I just I had to share that with you this morning. Well, let's get back to the to the topic in question today. What I want to share with you today, my message is entitled Serving the Least. You know, I I have a burden. The Lord has given me a burden to serve children, to love them, to teach them, to help them become the men and women of God that he wants them to be. And I have that burden. And my hope that by the end of our time together this morning that you will share in my burden, that we can come alongside together and partner together to serve these next generations, to invest in these next generations so that we can see the kingdom of God Revealed fully on the earth so let's go ahead let's let's get started. I have a question, and I need your complete honesty and we're in church so how many of you by show of hands, how many of you look at the younger generations those who who have are coming after you, whether it's your children's age or your grandchildren's age or just kids in general, younger generations, anyone younger than you, you look at those generations and you just shake your head. You just, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I see hands all over the place, <laughs> and I can, I can include myself in that. You just look at them and you think, oh my word, what is happening? What is, what is this world coming to? Okay, now, for all of you who raised your hands... How many of you are doing anything about it? There's a lot fewer hands in the air. <laughs> some of us are, and that's wonderful. But for most of us, we sit and we complain and we complain and we complain, and then we complain some more, and that's the end of it. right? You ever heard that old saying, You know, you can't complain about the result of the election if you didn't vote? Well, it's the exact same thing with this. You don't have any right to complain about the younger generation if all you're doing is sitting in your living room on your phone flipping through Facebook and getting angry. You just don't, you don't have the right to do it. And you know, uh, there's a lot of us in here, we, you know, we, we're just, we complain about millennials. We complain about, and that's—that that is my generation, so I am going to take up for us a little bit here. Where are my millennials at? Anybody out there? So a lot of you sit there and complain about millennials and then uh, there's some more of you that complain about millennials but don't realize you're actually co- complaining about Generation Z. And so to to, desi- to differentiate here, I'm just going to show you here the difference here. So millennials are kids, people born from like 1980 to 1983 all the way to like 1996, maybe even to 2000. It's, you know, we argue over where the beginning and where the end are, but for the most part, people from like age 20, 23, up to 37 and 40, somewhere around there. Okay, those are millennials. They're young professionals with families that have careers. Gen Z are like 21 and under, okay? These are the teenagers, the young kids, the Tide Pod eaters, if you will. Um, So just, just just to say, you know, Gen Z, they eat Tide Pods, millennials elected Trump. So just so we're clear... Just so, no, I, I'm, I'm kidding. Gen Z, can I talk to you guys for a second? I could not be more excited about the generation that's coming up behind me because you guys are so creative. I have never seen a group of people that have this much imagination and creativity and like, y'all, they are so comfortable in their own skin. Like, they are not afraid to be them. They are gonna dress the way they wanna dress. They are gonna act the way they wanna act and if you like it, great. If you don't, I don't care. They are so comfortable in who they are. They are so creative. And I'm telling you, if we can harness that for the kingdom of God, y'all, look out. The world does not stand a chance. But we need you to help us. I can't do it alone. Pastor Cole can't do it alone. We need your help. And so my, my question for you today, my favor for you today Is will you help me raise up this next generation? And can I say something to the parents in here? Parents of kids that are being raised up. Raising godly children is so important. It is so important. But it's the minimum expected of a believer. Raising a godly family is a number one priority. But it's also the lowest passing grade. Okay, If we want to be obedient to Christ and what he's called us to do, raising godly children is a given. Everything else that we do is where we start to serve and where we start to take ourselves out of ourselves and really commit our lives. And on that, how many parents do I have that have kids in kids zone? Can you, can you raise your hands for me? Let me see you. Awesome. I have to ask you a favor. And this is very important. I am trying to change the... The culture, I'm trying to change the conversation around what we do in KidZone. And so, the next time you pick up your kids, today would be a great time to do this. When you go to pick up your kids, instead of saying, did you have fun, which fun's important, don't get me wrong, but instead of asking, did you have fun, can we instead ask, what did you learn? Okay, because I am not there to entertain your children. My staff and our volunteers, we are not there to make sure that your kids have fun. We do have fun. We have a ton of fun because kids are awesome. But that is not our purpose. That's like of of our list of things that we want to have happen, fun is like down here because we are raising up an army that is going to take over this world. And fun is the last thing on our minds. We are trying to invest in these kids. We're trying to teach them about God. We're trying to teach them about who they are. And who they are called to be. And so, if when the parents come up and they get their kids, if we start saying as parents, what did you learn today? It starts to get in their head, oh, I'm supposed to learn here. That is my purpose. If the first thing they hear from you when they get out is, did you have fun? That tells them, oh, that's my number one goal. My goal is to have fun. Which again, we have so much fun. But that's like number four out of our priorities. You see what I'm saying? So, if you can do that for me, I would be eternally grateful, okay? Remember, not did you have fun, instead, what did you learn? So, in my line of work, I am constantly looking for volunteers and people to come help, and I hear a lot of excuses. I'm sorry, a lot of reasons. I hear a lot of reasons why people can't help in Kid Zone, okay? And so I'm gonna read you a couple and we're gonna talk about them. So uh, the first one is I just don't like kids or like me and kids don't get along. Have you anyone ever used that before as a justification for yourself on why you don't? Yeah, I thought so. If you don't like kids, that's your problem. Because kids, as I said before, are awesome. Kids are so much fun. All they wanna do is have fun. That's literally their number one goal in life, is to have fun. And if you can't like someone who just wants to have fun, that tells me that you're boring. It's true. I'm sorry, but it's true. Kids are awesome. So that is not a good excuse, uh, reason. Uh, Number two, well, you know, kids today, they just don't show me any respect. They just don't know how to act. Then teach them. Teach them how to act. Kids are not born, humans are not born with social skills. We develop them over time. We learn them. Someone had to teach you how to act. And so if you don't think kids today are well behaved enough, then get in their lives and teach them how to behave. Don't complain about it. Number three, number three, excuse number three, I don't, ooh, ooh, y'all, I like this one. I don't have time. You do. You do. We all have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days in a week. We all have 365 days in a year. We all have the time. If you're not working in Kids zone, it's not that you don't have the time. It's just, and guard your hearts, it's just that kids aren't worth your time. And that's the truth. You can find time to do what you want to do. You can You can find time to watch Netflix, you can find time to get on Facebook, you can find time to go shopping, you can find time to do things that you want to do. If you don't have time to work in kids' ministry, it's because they're not enough of a priority in your life. And I'm here to change that. The next, uh, this, this is a good one too. Right now I just need to be in church with my family. I just need to sit with my husband, sit with my wife in church. Well, I've got great news. We have three weekend services, so you can sit one and serve another, and there you go. That is not a valid excuse or reason whatever you want to call them. Um, Oh, this one's rich. I don't have enough patience for kids. Oh, this one. See, here's the thing about patience. Patience doesn't come from you. Patience comes from God. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. You either have patience or you don't have patience right? And so if you don't have patience for kids, that's between you and Jesus. That is not my problem. You need to fix your walk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're having fun. Can we have fun in church? Is that okay? All right. And this one, the last one, this last one, this is my absolute least favorite. This one gets all over me. Don't you dare say this to me when I ask you about working for kids. It's, It's just not my gifting or it's not my calling. That's a lie, and Jesus is about to back me up. So let's open up our words and find out what he has to say. Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 33, if you will, it says this. It says, And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? Them being his disciples, him being Jesus. But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So here we have the disciples, they are arguing over who is the greatest. Now, I think it's important to note, Jesus does not chastise them for their quest for greatness. Greatness is not something to be quelched in the life of a Christian. We we get so kind of hung up sometimes, we want to be humble. But being humble and being great are not mutually exclusive. In fact, humility isn't really tested until you're great, right? And so Jesus is not chastising them for wanting to be great, He simply needs to redirect them to show them what greatness really is. And so what does he say? If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to serve. You need to go low. Put yourself below everyone else. If you want to be great in the eyes of man, you need to get a good job. You need to make lots of money. You need to have a nice house, have a nice car. There's nothing wrong with those things. I wish I had some of them, which I do have a great job, but all the other stuff, you know, we're we're just believing in faith, Jesus. But uh, that's great to have all those things if you want to be great in the eyes of man. But if you want to be in the eyes of God, you don't need to go higher. You need to go lower. Okay? And here, we're going to get a little uh, little deep here, a little bit into the text. We're going to do a word study real fast. Can we do that? So Jesus says you have to be a servant of all And you have to be last of them all. And that word in the Greek that we translate into English as all, do you know what that word actually means? All. Everybody. That's just a little theology humor for you. But um, he calls us to serve everyone. And in case they had any questions about who all means, Because, you know, the disciples had no problem serving the sick. We see that in Scripture. They had no problem serving the lost. Those were non-issues. But what Jesus saw in them was there was one group of people who they weren't serving. In fact, there are multiple documented happenings in the Scriptures in which this specific group of people were shooed away from Jesus by the disciples. And so if there was any question on who all meant, Jesus comes over and he grabs who? A child and places him in the middle. And he says, this one. You want to be great? Serve this one. But he didn't stop there. He went deeper. And I want you all to catch this. If you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. Well, Really, Jesus said it. I'm just talking about it. He said, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. What Jesus is saying is when you serve children, when you serve those that are the least of these, because in Jesus' day, they were the bottom of the barrel. When you serve them, it's not just an act of service, but it's an act of worship, it's an act of devotion, and it's an act of seeking who? The Father. If you want to grow in your relationship with the Father, if you want to seek Him more, if you want more of God, Jesus says, not Pastor Michael, Jesus says the way to do that is to serve children to pour into children. I don't serve kids because I love kids, which I do. I do love kids, but that's not why I do it. Why I do what I do is because of Him. I want to please Him. I want to serve Him. I want to know Him more, and that's why I do what I do. There is no better reason, no better way for me to convince you to serve with children than that. No better way than to say when you're serving children, you are seeking God. And that is the purpose of us as Christians, right? If we're not seeking God, we're not growing. And if we're not growing, we're dying. And so we need to grow. So now that we're on that, we got that out of the way, uh, there's a verse in James, James chapter 4, verse 17, and it says this. It says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Let me read that again because I think we're still kind of getting it. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. I have just told you what Jesus has commanded all of us to do. And if you're not doing it, you are living a lifestyle of sin. You're not just committing a sin and moving on. You are actively living in sin by not doing what you ought to do. And so, the ushers will have volunteer packets in the back, and anyone who does not pick one up on the way out will be living in a lifestyle of sin and you need to to repent. No, I'm, I'm kidding, kind of. But really, really though, it's plain and simple. We know that we're called to do it, and yet a lot of us, we just, we don't. So here's the answer to the question I know you're asking. Okay, Pastor Michael, I hear what you're saying. I want to be obedient to God, and I know you're all saying this to yourselves, right? We're all saying this. I want to be obedient, so how can I serve? Well, let me tell you. We have a ton of ways, a ton of ways. Let's start at birth. We've got a nursery full of babies back there that just need held. They just need somebody to hold them and calm them down when they're crying. And I know that may not sound like much of a ministry. I get it. Pray over them while you hold them. Speak life over them. The Bible tells us that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. While their minds may not be able to consciously pick up what you're doing, their spirits are open and listening and ready to be poured into. And so while you're holding those babies, while you're changing those stinky diapers, pray over them. Speak the word over them. Invest in those children. Maybe babies aren't your thing. Well, let's move up to upstairs. We got preschool. You can teach these little, we we split up our our preschoolers into groups uh, according to their age. So they're small group classes. They're like eight to ten kids, sometimes more because we just don't have the space, nor do we have the people to help out. But small group lessons where you get to sit with the kids, you get to teach them. You get to teach them the words of God. You get to play with them. You get to pray with them. You get to do crafts with them. You get to feed and eat with them and just spend time and pour into these kids. But maybe you're not a teacher, Maybe that's just not your thing. You, you, you're, not, you're not good at it. Well, guess what? We need two adults in every classroom. So we'll get a teacher, and you just go and hang out with them. Just be there. Do something. Pour into them. You know what I'm saying? So That's preschool. Maybe preschool's not your thing. Y'all, we have, is Miss Janice in here? Miss Janice, are you here? Oh, I wish she was. I'd have her stand up and y'all clap for her, because she is awesome. She, her heart, was to create a place for special needs children, children who just don't fit into a traditional classroom. And so she, along with uh, Shalana, which I think she's upstairs too, Mm, they're all gone, Uh, they're all working, which is where y'all should be, but uh, (laughs) no, I'm kidding, Um, sort of. But see, we've created a place where kids that don't fit into the traditional classrooms can go and they can be taught the word of God. We've lit- because of this ministry, we have literally added families to the church. People that can't take their kids anywhere because of their needs, now they have a place where they can come and these kids are learning and growing. Yeah, yes, clap for the Lord. This is an awesome thing. But it's only open two services on the weekends because we don't have enough people to staff it. So families that could only come Saturday nights can't come because we don't have a place. But we can fix that, right? Well, I can't really do much about it, but y'all can. Y'all can fix it. Uh, If my zone's not your thing, come come up in elementary. I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how much you can learn about a kid while you're playing them in checkers. There is something about playing a game and just being right next to them, that their walls just drop. And we actually find out probably more than we should. But they they just pour out their, yeah, I know. I know. They told me. They told me. (laughs) We learn so much about these kids' lives when we're just sitting there playing games with them. And that's the thing. When we have 75 kids, which upstairs, they probably got 50 to 75 kids in one room. There's only four of us. There's no way that we can get to all of them. We just can't. But you can. You can. Maybe kids, maybe it is, just kids, just the the little ones, the younger ones, maybe that's just not your thing. I guarantee Pastor Cole could use help over at Powerhouse. I know he can. Because he's got a building full of on-fire kids that need mentorship, that need someone to love them. And so if you can't help me, help him. There is always a place for you to get involved and to obey the commands of Jesus. One last thing about this this verse as we're we're coming to a close here, uh, about this passage in Mark. I want to point out to you, who was Jesus talking to when he gave this command? His disciples, right? It was the disciples, they were traveling, and they came to Capernaum, and they were arguing, and his disciples. Well, there's a distinctive characteristic that all of his disciples shared that I would like to point out. They all had a Y chromosome. Every single person inside of that room when Jesus was talking was male, including the child, fun fact. They call it a hymn. Jesus was not telling women to serve children. Jesus was not talking to a group of women when he said, these are the ones you're supposed to serve. He was talking to men. Two men that would eventually lead the first century church. These were future pastors that he was telling, get off your high horse, stop worrying about being who's great, figuring out who's greatest, and serve these kids. If you're upset about the state of the culture, can I talk to the men for a second? Just the men. Ladies, by all means, listen in. But men, I'm talking to you right now. If you're upset with the state of all, our culture right now, it's your fault. It's my fault. It's our fault as men that for 40 years, longer than that, but I'm just talking about the last 40 years, the last two generations, for the last 40 years, we have sat by and let the women take care of the kids, and we've just sat in the pews and passed out the offering buckets. Uh, It's harsh, but it's true. If there's a problem in a society, it's because men have not taken their place as fathers, have not taken their place as priests, and we have allowed it to happen, we have two consecutive generations of fatherless children. And it's not just because daddies run off, it's because Christian daddies don't fill that gap. You have no idea how many kids I have come through my classroom that are being raised by a single mother. You would be amazed, and not in a good way. And on that note, single moms, you're doing a fantastic job. You are doing a great, great job. And you are doing everything that you can do. And you do what you can do, and God's going to take care of the rest. And I'm going to do what I can to take care of the rest. Men, these kids need dads. They need to know what a good man looks like. And you have the power to show them. We just aren't. And that's got to change. If we want to see our our nation improve, we need dads. If we want to see these next generations rise up and be who God has called them to be, we need dads. We need it. And again, raising your own kids Raising your own kids is important. It's so important. But there are so many other kids that need you. They need a godly man that's going to step up and say, listen, I don't know who your daddy is, but I know who your daddy is. And I'm going to teach you about him. So please, men, it takes a real man to turn off the college football game and come to church and get down on your knee and love a child that's not yours. It takes a real man to impart the knowledge of what a true father is. And we have real men in this building. You just didn't know that you were needed. Well, guess what? That excuse is gone. Now you know. We need you more than ever. More than ever. We need you to be involved in these kids' lives. I truly cannot overstress the importance of godly men in the lives of children. I cannot do it enough. So if nobody else hears me, men, please. Maybe you didn't have a good father be a good father to somebody else. Maybe you messed up as a father. Well, here's your second chance. Maybe you're too young. Teenagers, maybe you're too young to be a father yet. Well, let's come here and I'll teach you how. We'll help you along the way and we'll pour into you while you pour into those kids. There is no reason. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you think your child years are gone. Guess what? A child of God is never done. Your job in the kingdom is never over. And just because you may not be raising kids anymore in your own home doesn't mean you can't be raising kids in the kingdom. I'm telling you, we need you. I cannot do it alone. I cannot do it alone. Can I, can I just share with you some vision real quick before we close? Can I just show you what God has placed inside of me for 2020, and I kept, I kept telling people when I've been, because I've been talking about this to everybody because I'm really excited about it, when, whenever they ask me about it, I keep telling them, like, these are really big dreams, these are really big dreams, and when I was praying about this message, God told me, first of all, stop calling them dreams, they're plans, and he said, second of all, they're not big, they're just the beginning, because nothing is too big for me, and so I'm going to share that with you so that we can start to partner in making this happen, Okay? First thing is I want to see KidZone, specifically the children's ministry of Church on the Rock, Texarkana, I want to see it be a beacon of hope for families all across our city. And I don't just mean kids. I said families on purpose. Because I don't, I don't just want to give kids a haven from their bad situations. I want to equip families to go back and change their situations That's what I want to do, but I can't do it by myself. I would have done it already if I could, okay? That's what I want to see. I want to see when we get into our new building, our new home over there, I want to see KidZone to already be too small because kids are so hungry for the presence of God and they're so hungry for the love and the compassion and the community that they feel when they come through our doors that we just don't have enough space for them. That's what I want to see. I want to, and this is where I really need your help, I want to create a program that is specifically geared towards at-risk youth. I want to create a place where teenagers and kids that live in tough areas that don't have families at home or don't have families that will love them, where they can come after school, on weekends, in the summer, they can come, they can get a good meal, they can, have a, uh, they can have fun with their friends, but they can be mentored by Christians who know who God is and who want to share that with people. They can be tutored because, y'all, they need it. These kids need help where they can be uh, taught the Bible and just shown what a family is. Someplace that they can come and be safe, where they can play basketball and not worry about who's going to come by with a gun and I'm not talking about New York or L.A. or Chicago. I'm talking about Texarkana, y'all. If you knew half the stories of these kids, if you knew half of the stuff that goes on in our public schools, it would break your heart. But we can do something about it. We can make a change. We can invest enough in these young people that this city is unrecognizable. Y'all know that we're like one of the highest per capita crime cities in Texas. Let's change that. And you know how we change it? Through our kids. We teach them what it is to love God and to love people with everything that's inside of them. You can be a part of it. There's a revival coming, and it's starting with the, the children and the youth, and it's happening, and you can be a part of it. You can, you can stand before God one day on Judgment Day, and, you can, and when he asks, what have you done? You can say, I was a part of the revival, and not just as a spectator, but I was an investor in it. I'm, I helped make it happen. Imagine if you could say that. Guess what? You can. Help me. I cannot do it alone. I'm going to try, but I can't. I need your help. I know we we have a long screening process because just underneath teaching children about God, our number one priority is our children's safety. So not just anybody can get in there. Don't worry, parents. We have a very intricate and detailed screening process. We do background checks. We check references. We do all of this stuff to make sure that our kids are safe. But once you get through that, y'all, the sky's the limit the things that you can do, the things that you can impart into these kids, there is no limit to it. My last question, what if 30, 40, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, what if someone like you had cared enough to pour into you when you were a child? Imagine how differently your world might have been Imagine how differently your life would be right now if someone like you who loves God would have taken the time to get down on their knee and love you and pour into you and serve you. Imagine what your life would look like. And then imagine what you could do for one of these kids. So if that's you today, if you've heard what I've said, If you've heard the the words of Jesus and you felt the pull of the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray. So you can, all, all across the room, we can bow our heads if you would. I don't want there to be any pressure on anyone. But if your heart has been tugged by the Holy Spirit, if you feel like anything that I've said today is resonating within you, I want you to raise your hands all over the room. If you, if you hear the calling of God that you are, are, are not doing what he's asked of you, we can fix that. Thank you. I see hands all over the room. Thank you for those hands. Come, talk with me after service. I'll point you in the right direction. Call, if, if you don't have time, if you gotta get out to lunch, call up the church next week. We'd be happy to start the process of screening and get you involved because I'm telling you, there's never been a bigger need than now. The harvest has never been bigger and the laborers have never been fewer. We need you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are humbled by your words this morning. God, we ask that you would write our hearts, that you would center our minds on the teachings and the words of Jesus, that you would help us to no longer come up with reasons why we shouldn't or reasons why we can't. But God, we will look at the reasons why we should, and it's because you've called us to do it. Help us to understand the importance of investing in these next generations. And God, give us the grace to do it. I pray, Jesus, that you will raise up leaders in in this church that are burning and shining lamps to these children, that children from all over Texarkana who are lost and who are in need will see these leaders that you're raising up and they will be drawn to them, drawn to the power of your Holy Spirit and the anointing that you've put inside of their hearts. God, I thank you for every willing heart in this place. I thank you for every current KidZone worker, every single person that volunteers their time. I thank you for them, Lord. I pray that you bless them abundantly in this new year that this will not be one to forget but it will be one to cherish for the rest of our lives we commit our hearts to you today in Jesus precious name, amen
1: amen how about giving the Lord a hand clap this morning amen appreciate you Michael first of all, aren't you glad that the Lord brought someone here to be a children's passionate pastor that's passionate about children amen uh, That's an exciting thing, and to know how passionate the Lord is about children, and kind of a reminder there. You know, a couple things. First of all, uh, we're in a war. Uh, Pastor Cole realizes that. With you know, anybody has children. Anybody turns on the news, we're in a war, Um, and there's an enemy out there that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, when World War II came about, uh, everybody worked together. Our country had a common cause. And we turned in metal to melt it down to help, you know, with the, with the guns and the vehicles and all of that. And, and there was peop- there's always people in the front lines. And maybe during this message, God has called some of you to the front lines of children's ministry. You know, but there's a lot of other things involved, too. You know, there's people that stayed at home and made clothes uh, for the soldiers. There's people that stayed home, right? In my hometown, there's an ammo depot. There are they in here at Red River? Are familiar with that? But there's a lot of different roles. And the first thing I want to encourage you to do is the start of this year, Fast and pray for our church. Fast and pray for you to find the will of the Lord and the mind of the Lord. And come to our Connect class next week. Uh, it's it's a, a week from Wednesday. That's a great way to find out what your spiritual gifts are. And our coaches are great about helping find you a spot that fits for you because this all works together. I mean, there's no children's ministry without uh, you know somebody cleaning the church. Or, you know, it just goes on and on. There's all kinds of things that work together. And there's ways you can serve in children's ministry that might not be during their hours. There's a lot of prep work. There's a lot of things that go on. And just being a grandfather or grandmother of some of these kids during the week would be amazing. So um, just keep that in your heart and pray in this new year. And just find a place to serve and a place to use your gifts. But as we close, I do want to ask you a very important question. Are you 100% sure if you died you'd go to heaven? Because that's a very important thing right now. Uh, I would want not want to go into the new year not knowing Jesus, not knowing where I spend eternity. And it's a very simple thing. The way it starts, it's just you just got to surrender your heart to Jesus. You've got to ask Him to come into your life and have a personal relationship. God won't force His way in. You've got to open the door. And the way I did that, it was April 14, 1984. I raised my hand and just repeated a prayer because I knew I needed Jesus. I knew I was going doing things my own way, and I needed to repent, turn around, and start following Jesus and know where I was going to spend eternity. I raised my hand, we said a simple prayer, and that's when the journey started. That's when God came into my life, things began to change. So if you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, uh, if you've gotten off track and you want to start this next year on track with God, I'm telling you, when we close our service, when we stand up, you walk toward that cross. I'll meet you over there, and we'll just say a simple prayer together. And I want to stand right now. Uh, Our altar team's coming up. They're going to pray with you for any need you might have. And let them pray with you. Pastors, ask to sing another song. And when he got a chance to kind of worship and seal this message. But, again, if you're not right with God, want to get right, want to ask Jesus in your heart, man, come over to that cross. We're going to say a prayer together. Amen.